About two-thirds of the way down the tumbling series of islands that make up the West Indies, you'll find St Lucia. It's a naturally beautiful, captivating island paradise, and the locals don't lie when they tell you that their unique blend of arts, culture, adventure, food and long-standing traditions will enchant you and keep you coming back time after time. I'm John Holmes, and in this travel documentary podcast series, we, by which I mean myself and the travel writer Antonia Windsor, will be your guides to all things St Lucian. Consider this. It once took me nine hours to get from Kent to Devon, yet in just eight hours from Gatwick, you can be ziplining through a jungle, lying on a beach, making chocolate on a cocoa plantation, wallowing in history, or trying some of the best, freshest food you'll eat in your life. Over five podcasts brought to you by the St Lucia Tourism Authority, we are in a country which promises to inspire us and you with its land, its people and its light. This is episode one, arts and culture and music. That's the sound of Denry's segment. In its earliest incarnation, it was defined by its simple stripped-down percussive beats. It emerged in the Denry Quarter St Lucia, hence its name, and it really conjures up the Caribbean. I'm imagining laid-back nights, dancing on the sand under a starry sky. Her name's Antonia, and she's dancing on the sand. Actually, I'm moving that way because I've got a pebble in my flip-flop. Now, you'd expect Denry's segment to be popular here, but surprisingly, so is this. True story. St Lucians love a bit of slide guitar. Weird, but it is true. More of that later. But we're not just about the music scene, Spurs and Stetsons included. We're also about the incredible crafts and history of this Windward Isle. First stop, though, the community of Denery for our segment on, well, Denery segment. So my name is Virgil Joseph, better known as Virgil. I produce Denery segment music um, in particular. For someone who's never heard of Denry Segment, can you sort of briefly describe it? You could say it's a collect, uh, collection of people or collective group or whatever, but um, I would say it's just young, inspiring artists who's trying the thing. It's something that, that is natural. It's a genre that wasn't... like We, we don't get it um, nowhere else, you know? It's a machine made. I mean, it's from it. It's um, authentic. And um, basically, it's from our roots. Put, put, put your leg up on my shoulder. Let me tell you this, next leg up on my dresser. Why you wanna do things fast, talk a little lesser? Why you wanna call me Frank Ripper? She tell me protection, me never gonna let the same way um, Jamaica would have reggae. You know, we're trying to create that identity for St. Lucia. That's why we, we, we came about with Denry segment. Um, I would describe the sound as one to be a mixture of somewhat dancehall, somewhat soca and somewhat Afro. So it's a fusion of everything, but in, our, in a Lucian way. There's still something, um, there's still a tone, there's still a sound, which doesn't um, have to, it's not, it's not all about the beat, but it has to do with the language, the accent, all that comes together to make the Denry segment sound. It's the infectious, it's an infectious beat, right? A lot of people gravitate to the beat, right? As, as much as they don't understand the lyrics, because most time it's in Creole, which is our mother language, our mother tongue, or whatever, right? So as much as they don't understand what we're saying most times, but the beat is something that they gravitate to. How you know you're not a boatwin? King it was something different, it was something fresh, it was something new to the air, it was something that 
got a lot of people at people's attention and i'm not sure if um well from my point of view this year carnival because of the music i would say because a lot of the people that i spoke with and stuff because of the music a lot of people came down to send for the carnival this year and to me that was the most foreigners i've seen here for the carnival as we all know the caribbean one of the main instruments or one of the main type of music in the Caribbean would be the steel pan. And that is something that the youth, but as of now, you know, you get a lot of young guys getting interested, along with females as well, being interested in that music. So it's something that they're passionate about. And that's absolutely right. Before they hit the Denery segment hard stuff, the young people of St Lucia are engaging in the gateway music of traditional steel pan. In the otherwise sleepy coastal village of Labry, there's no shortage of culture. So we've come to a place where the steel band are rehearsing. Will Bartholomew, band leader, um, Labrie Steel Pan. Um, we started in 2005. Um, there was nothing really going on in Labrie for the young people, and it was a bit of a challenge because um, the kids didn't know much about it. So what we did, we just pulled up kids walking, coming from school. So and then we realized the interest was growing, and then the kids were excited and everything, and so it grew. But our main goal was the music, where we use it as a form of relaxation, where we can speak to each other, but musically, so we can dance and we can sing, but yet still the pun and the music was the main focus. My name is uh, Christopher Shiko. I am the, currently the captain of the band. I started when I was five years old, back in 2005. Um, with the steel pan, it's an orchestra, so you have your low-end pans and you have your high-end pans. Concerning how the pans are made, um, we us they usually use um, oil barrels cut off the bottom, so then you have an open end, so the sound can get out, right? And like for the range of the pans, so for the six bass, they, they use the whole barrel and they use a torch to um, heat up the top of the barrel and they sink the top of the pan using a hammer. Larry Steel Pan has something special. I mean, what we've been doing has been spectacular. The kids have been showing great interest in the band. And I mean, leading the band is something special for me. I enjoy working with them, it's my passion. Yeah, it's very nice. And do you get requests from new children who want to join, who've seen their friends doing it and get inspired? Actually, we do. First, we study for, we enroll new kids, so ranging from at least four years old. We teach them the basics, how to hold their sticks, teach them about the pan, how to play the pan, right? And do your local residents here mind, mind you rehearsing? I imagine when all your young people are rehearsing here, it's quite a loud sound. <laughs> I mean, it's loud, but it's, it. it's music. <laughs> yeah, people enjoy music. Yeah, sometimes you have... We have right on the road here. <laughs> yes, we have some of the neighbours come outside sometimes to listen to, listen. to the band, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can we hear something? Yeah, sure, why not?
Down on the beach, Antonia was trying to blend in by playing, badly, one of the island's oldest, most traditional instruments. Something so traditional that it's not even an instrument at all. It's a conch shell. <laughs> My name is George Wilfred, right? Better known as Ken. The community knows me as Ken, right? I've been a fisherman, as I tell you, from... 13 years going out there with my father, and up to this very day, I've been involved in fishing. My father's tradition, whenever there is something wrong, right? When he was a fisherman, in the old days, he'll blow it like this. <laughs> That's it. Can I have a go at blowing it? Yeah. Can you have a blow? Yeah. I'll try. What do you do? There, try to do, try you, to blow it. You blow in the hole? Yeah, blow in the hole. You don't make any sound with your mouth, you just If you blow. want, <laughs> if you want. Just... And how far do you reckon that... Can you... Do you think the whole village can hear that? Yeah. Yeah, mostly. Wow. I'm surprised we haven't got loads of villagers coming down there. <laughs> <laughs> the sound of the conch shell isn't just used as a warning to fishermen, as we found out from an informed passerby drawn in by the... <clears throat> magical sound of Antonia's playing. Hi, my name's Andy Norell, and I'm a musician. I used to play steel pans, I compose music. It was nice to walk up uh, and see you guys and hear the conch shells blowing. Uh, we, we hear it all the time in the village. Uh, the fishermen have been doing it forever. They come in with fish and they announce that they're here by blowing into these, literally into a conch shell. And it's an instrument that's used all over the Caribbean that way. And there are some real virtuosos in jazz who, who play them now too. Frank Nicola is a trumpet player from Guadeloupe and Steve Torre, the great jazz trombonist from America. They're virtuosos on those things and they use them in choirs and in harmony and they play jazz solos on them. It's quite amazing. But uh, and all the fishermen can, can do it. It's, it. As you probably saw, it's kind of hard to get a sound. I'm going to add conch shell to my shopping list. Well, you've got a shopping list. Of course I have. I'm a sucker for local craft. What is that? Is that the... How much... How much... This isn't, isn't a list, it's an essay. How are you going to find all that in the next five minutes? Through the magic of editing. OK, so right now we're heading over to Shuazel, which is like the arts and craft capital of the island. Uh, you find that a lot of the artisans, even those right now in the northern part of the island, actually hail from the community of Schwizel. Right, so well, where have you brought me to now? This is lovely. It's, this is, I didn't know what it was going to look like. I was sort of expecting some big corporate craft centre, but this is just literally someone's house. It's beautifully decorated with turquoise painted bamboo and carved pillars and... Uh, we've got some tie-dye hanging outside. I can't wait to get inside yeah, and meet just, Lucy. Just the, at the who, side of the road yeah, as well. Yeah, literally at the side of the yeah. road. Uh, so, okay, so let's go and see, let's yeah. go and see Lucy. Show, show me some of the things that you've got for sale here. Okay, here I have, this is made of clay. This oh. is a clay pot. 
And is this quite a traditional? And that's our traditional pot they used to cook before. So that is for cooking. You use a coal pot and you cook with this. This is for cooking. And that can go in the oven, like that with can, a stew or something? Yeah, it can stew, it can cook, it can do anything. Do people still use them today? Yes, yeah. they do. They do a lot. Especially, yes, last month was Creole. This was very used a lot at Creole Festival in Chozel and surrounding areas, but mostly in Chozel. Yeah. And here I have the bamboo... Um, fruit bowl. It's a small fruit bowl made out of bamboo. That's beautiful. That's very intricate yeah. bamboo work. Yeah. And we, um, what I do, when the bamboo is young, I strip it into small strips. But that's the skin of the bamboo, not yeah. the interior. That's the skin of the bamboo. And I use dye, and I dye the bamboos, and I make the flowers and that's make the, the bowls. That that almost looks factory made. It's yeah. so neatly done. It's yeah, beautiful. It's, it's bamboo. Yeah. And do you have uh, children that you're teaching these skills to? Yeah, I teach my children and I have two grandchildren that are very interested. Yes, how old are your grandchildren? Um, my grandson is uh, 12. Ah, uh, so he's And he's to doing learn. a good bit of work. What's he doing? What's his favorite his thing? His favorite do? thing is to do the bamboo cups and the tie dye. Ah. He likes the tie dye and the batik. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. Because it's good to have the younger generation yes. learning these things. Yeah, yes. yeah. I see you have a baby. Yeah, yeah my, hanging my, out. my grand, my grands. <laughs> yes. And here I make a pipe with um with the calabash. Yes. You can fool it with water, fool with juice. You can put anything in it, and you just Beautiful. open the tap yeah, yeah. and you close it. Can you fill it with piton beer? Oh, that's better yet. That's yeah. much better. <laughs> you know, piton beer, rum punch. That's a lot better. Yeah. visitors find you so if they're coming will everyone know where you are if they arrive in Chaucel and say I want to see Lucy's craft center would everyone be able to direct yeah anybody they ask for Lucy's um, place they will get direction and I also have a sign up front there and at the hotels I have some of my cards so if some uh, guests wanted a batik or a tie-dye they would send them to my place. Because it's so much more special yeah, buying from you, meeting you, knowing yeah. you made this thi these things, yeah. rather than just buying from a hotel buying shop. Through. I'd really like to buy your pipe. I think it's beautiful. Let me go. Would you mind having American US and you give no me change problem. in EC? No problem, no. So if I give you 50 US, you give me 50 EC change? No Is that possible? No I mean, it's going to be interesting watching you try to get that in a suitcase. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You might need to buy an extra bag in order to take all of your purchases home. No, the other thing you can do, you can put in clothes. You can put in stuff inside of it. Yes, very clever. In my suitcase, push I can like cover in it, put my underwear clothes in and your things in there. Well, I'm not going to drink out of it after that. I want you to wash it when you get there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't quite get enough souvenirs at Lucy's, so I've come to Castries, where there's a local vendor's market. It's right near the cruise ship dock. They get all the tourists coming off the cruise ship who want local handmade produce. Um, there's lots of things for sale here. There's jewellery, hats, baskets, lots of clothes, things with St Lucia on, things without St Lucia on. Um, oh, look at that hat. Oh. That's great. I'm going to get one of those. got 20 hats 
So, St Lucia has a rich musical and craft heritage, but from a wider cultural perspective, the island draws heavily on both her English and French influences. With two dozen extra unnecessary hats jammed in the boot of the car, we took a trip north to Pigeon Island to find out more about the history. Good morning, my name is Lily Anthony. I am a customer service rep at the St Lucia National Trust. I'll be taking you around, so basically I'll be your tour guide for this morning. So let me welcome you once again to Pigeon Island National Landmark. Pigeon Island serves as a military base dating back to the 18th century when the French and the British fought over St. Lucia. They fought over a period of 150 years. In total battles, they are 14, seven times British, seven times French. Upon which the British won, St. Lucia became a member of the British Commonwealth. We gained independence on the 22nd of February, 1979. So you've got a, a, a stone ruin here with lovely arched windows, but no roof. So you see this beautiful blue Caribbean sky and some trees above, but you've got the historic surroundings of this ruin, old barracks. Well, Pigeon Island, the name came about as a result of a large settlement of pigeons on the island at one point. It is also said if you view the island from the top down, you have that artistic eye it is said it resembles a pigeon sitting so it could be that too but i prefer seeing it was a large settlement of pigeons on the island that's the reason why it got the name what happened to what happened to the pigeons well actually <laughs> castries has a lot more food so you find most of the pigeons have migrated to castries Oh, so the pigeons were here because of the soldiers' food and yes, the fact that there was all of that. people around. Oh. And it's also said that they were also used to convey messages as well, back and forth. And what about before the British and the French? Do you know much about the sort of traditional people who lived in Sweden? Well, the Amerindians were the very first settlers of the island, and they settled pretty much everywhere on island. You can see there's markings on stones. You can also get a bit of pottery. When in I went it. for a walk... Um, uh, there, there's a, there was a cave, I think, an old, very old cave on the other side yes. of the island. That, that's not that there. cave is no longer in existence as a result of hurricanes over the years, so that has actually caved in, but there were markings as well in that cave, yes. So it did give actual details as to, yes, there was persons living here before um, the settlement of the Europeans as well. But of course it's... It's not an island anymore, is it? No, it's not an island. Um, technically, it is connected right now via the causeway. The causeway was built in the year 1969 to 72 to basically connect Pigeon Island to the mainland. I just saw a pigeon, by the way. It might be the last remaining pigeon on Pigeon Island. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> so I just come back down from walking up to the top of both peak twin peaks i've climbed that's only twin peak oh, it's a bit but up. it was too windy for me to record so i didn't have to climb yeah i'll be honest with you the first peak's easy that lulls you into a false sense of security the next one which is much higher um is it's a it's a bit it's a it's not a climb but it is a clamber that's what i'm gonna but it's worth it because the view from the top is absolutely incredible and you get you can see all the way over to martinique uh, the neighboring island of course, um, and and it is a clear day today, so you can see right down across St Lucia itself to the peaks of the Pitons um, over the headland, and it's it's really I was the only one up there, so it, you get it all to yourself. Okay, you've sold it to me. I'm going to go up. Good luck in those flip flops. The large rock out in the open. It's called Bogat's Rock or Bogat's Rock. 
It used to be a popular nesting ground for frigate birds, the white droppings. It is said to be droppings from the birds. It was also used as target practice as well during the times of the battles. So the soldiers would use that rock as target practice, hence the reason for the sheep as well. So this was a really strategic point for the country's western coast. Hang on, did somebody say country and western? Just a tenuous link to get us back to where we started in this episode. Yes, it absolutely was, yes. So, Caribbean, country and western. That's really a thing? Well, don't ask me. Ask the expert. Hello, my name is Stephen Sonanius. Um, I built a radio and a television station here. And that's a couple of years ago. And I, I love country music. So I have my special slot every, every Sunday from 4 o'clock playing country music. So what's got you interested in country music in the first place and what's the, its relationship with the island of St. Lucia? St. Lucians, I mean, they love country music and some of it was through the Americans. The Americans came here in the, in the 40s and that's where they built a, a, a naval base and also a, an air base in the south. And they came in with music. We grew up with folks like Jim Reeves, Buck Owens and, and so forth. And country music was here even long before things like reggae. As I said, I remember listening to Hank Williams, Jim Reeves, Doris Day, Frankie Lynn, Gene Autry, and Roy Rogers on the old gramophone. His master's voice, that was on the last 78 records. I managed at one time, uh, L.M. Stone. And we went to Nashville. Um, I took him to Nashville twice. And he entered a competition, there was about 50 individuals, and he came first out of the 50. Yep. And he was the only non-white singing country. People, uh, by which I mean me, mm. would ordinarily associate country music with the American South, wouldn't they? Mm. Not, not yes. Europe, and not necessarily French mm. Or, mm. or British. So that's kind of really interesting, and how music... Um, it shares itself around the world, but it's, it's found a home. I way. think music is a universal language. So whether it's um, American, uh, whether it, wherever it originates, but I think St. Lucians have they just. I think they, they they like the the style of the music, the rhythm of it also, and the way they dance it. Country music dances, and as if well away tonight, when you go out, you'll see <clears throat> a lot of people dance to country music. Where should we go tonight? To There's us? a place, the Vine. It's not far from here, just next to Rodney Bay. Um, just right in that area there. Okay, so this is excellent. We are in the heart of St. Lucia. We are in Rodney Bay and we are in a bar called Grapevine. And this is Country and Western. What are you making of this? It's lovely, there's like lots of couples, they're dancing and it's, yeah, it's like a bit incongruous that you're in a lovely sunny Caribbean island, but uh, the music's nice. Oh, it's working so well. Right, you know that uh, Stetson hat you bought for your child at that market earlier? Yeah. Give it to me now. Hold the microphone. Hold the microphone. Oh, gosh. John's I'm off going, dancing. I'm going dancing. Footnote. I found a lovely local to partner me on the dance floor, and Antonia just about managed to get her shopping home without paying additional baggage charges, although I had to veto her buying an actual steel pan. 
Why don't you start planning your encounter with St Lucia's rich arts and culture today by taking a look at stlucia.org. And don't miss our next podcast episode where we hunt down the elusive St Lucia parrot and explore the wildlife and nature on this captivating Caribbean island. You've been listening to John and Antonia Take on the World, St Lucia. It was an unusual podcast brought to you by the St Lucia Tourism Authority.